0: SEO Apocalypse is here! Ha <laughs> ha! AI has come to take over the marketing world. Well no, don't think so. I think ChatGPT is no threat to the roles of optimizers, copywriters, SEOs, and content marketers. Instead, it's a powerful tool that can help enhance our work.
1: As an SEO, as a copywriter, content marketer, whatever, I am able to have an input that I can very well already, or in the past, I could have already gotten in different ways with different SEO tools, marketing tools, etc. But through this chatbot, it's much more natural. You can
0: also integrate this quite easily through extensions this marketing pops episode you learn first the importance of understanding the user intent of ai prompts for seo second how to effectively leverage ai to create high quality content that ranks third a latest favorite chat GPT prompts for seo activities and number four how being generous with her knowledge accelerated her career now before i start i've created a free power ups cheat sheet that you can download fill it, and apply latest six elements of better ai prompts for seo you can go to marketingpops.com right now to download it or find that link in the show notes and description you ready let's go marketing power-ups ready go here's your host Bradley John. Really excited to be talking about AI and SEO. You just mentioned uh, a little bit before we we hit record how things have changed so much in the last five months. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, you've shared great posts and Twitter threads and blog posts. I'm going to link to all in the show notes uh, in the description as well. But I'm I'm curious, you you probably already have been forming opinions about this, or you're seeing it. You've been in SEO since 2007 and in, in, in marketing. Curious how you see AI impacting like SEO and marketing jobs. Do like, you think it will take over our jobs? Probably not. <laughs> or will it be more like helping us do our jobs easier, faster, or better? I mean, what's what's your take on how SEO, AI will affect marketing's well, marketers? The,
1: that's, yes, so that definitely uh, different scenarios and angles for um, about it. So on one hand, from an automation of the tasks that we tend to do, right? Um, we can see that there are a lot of, let's say, tactical work that can be highly automated uh, uh, with a quality of the output that we were not used to. Um, And actually, like we can pretty much develop complete workflows many, many Mm. times. Um, The problem here is, of course, uh, the quality, the validation, um, et cetera, et cetera. But for example, now that uh, ChatGPT um, is integrated with with the web, but being as a browser too, and the browsing uh, plugins, etc., we can um, do a lot of stuff. Like, take a, please check out the top uh, rank pages for this query, and let me know uh, based on the title tags of these top ten rank queries. Um, suggest me one that is highly relevant, highly uh, optimized mm-hmm. based on SEO best practices, and provide me one that is unique. Provide me five versions that are unique. Wow. Provide me 10 versions that are unique. So me as an optimizer, as, a, as an SEO, as yeah. a copywriter, content marketer, whatever, I am able to have an input that I can very well already, or in the past, I could have already gotten in different ways with different SEO tools, marketing tools, etc. But in through this chatbots, um, I believe that it's much more natural. Uh, and uh, you can also integrate this quite easily through extensions. Uh, yeah. So for example, the GPT for work or numerous .ai extensions for Google Sheets uh, that integrate with the OpenAI API. So you can generate all of this in bulk, right? So it can highly, highly, highly facilitate mm. your translation work, localization work, optimization work, um, and, and also like even like, oh, reward this recommendation for an yeah. audience that is not technical in, in case of SEO recommendations, right? Things like that. So can highly, highly um, automate all the, like uh, activities that mm. you can also already automate from a keyword research standpoint, competition standpoint, but in a way that, let's say, can be a, feel a little bit more complete, easy, comprehensive, um, and, um, and validated that you can easily validate too. Uh, so there's that on one hand. The, I think that the risk, Falls into asking the bot something very generic and right. that depends on the context. <laughs> so, oh, provide me an SEO strategy to grow my website rankings in 2024. Um, that uh, for for cruise cruise lines guides in in Europe, things like yeah. that, right? So, please, I mean, w- w- if, if you <laughs> even ask ChatGPT about what are the top so, top criteria or top factors or how to do an, an SEO yeah. recommendation or, or SEO audit, it's going to be, at the end of the day, based on a lot of content out there that is not really 100% accurate and it's going to be very, yeah, let's say, non-strategical, not taking mm. context into account. And so, there's that on one hand. And then on the other hand, um, a big part of our job as SEOs, also as marketers, is uh, not only identify the issues and opportunities, uh, identify a solution of the problem, but actually implement and execute on that, right. which in many, many, many scenarios this is a much more difficult part, especially yeah. in SEO, where we had to align uh, technical development work, uh, content <laughs> uh, optimization actions, promotional actions. So there's a lot of alignment, uh, project management, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, going on, monitoring, identification of opportunities also along the way, et cetera. So it's very strategical. It has to do a lot with soft skills too. So this part I see much more challenging that yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 but take over, right? So uh, I will say that if you're a SEO or marketer who are focused on the strategical part of it, mm. uh, making things happen and are not like a one trick pony, just generating title tags, you should be safe, right? Um, you can leverage this tool also to accelerate the legwork uh, that you otherwise need to do to be much more efficient too, right? Um, to like rewrite or improve uh, many times outreach, you are a builder, for example, outreach messages, things like that. Also to investigate uh, the, the profile or the context of the websites or the authors that you are reaching to, getting in touch with this type of things. or Also to uh, get support or validation of how to implement right. uh, certain things within the code in case you don't have access to a web developer, mm-hmm. right? As an SEO to implement certain things in the SEO access or to generate re- regex, for example, when doing SEO reporting, for example, things like that. It can highly, highly help you in, in your day-to-day. Um, but very tactical things like that. I wouldn't rely on this completely for much more strategical part. Uh, then on the other hand, there is a completely different angle of it, just the impact on search uh, yeah. as a as a platform, right? Uh, Google as a platform to to search and and uh, consume information and identify information that you want to buy or consume in general, uh, and that is definitely shifting, right? I I don't believe that from one day or another. It feels like very echo chamber because between us, it's ChatGPT, ChatGPT. But if you go out there and you do a survey in the streets of how many people still searches, search, search on, with Google and how yeah. many people are searching in any, with any chatbot. Yeah, you will see that it's a very minimal share, right? Mm-hmm. But it, I believe that it's a new interface, a new paradigm that is much more natural to interact mm-hmm. with. So there's definitely a trend. Now, Google has the big challenge here, the, and, and Bing has already started doing it. And actually, actually I think that in a particularly um, good, natural um, with good user experience, way integrating their chatbot as a new tab. Uh, I think that separating well in which context it is much more advisable or natural to have a chatbot-like experience, especially when finding factual information and a lot of informational queries. Uh, but then, in which other aspect uh, it doesn't actually solve your problem, but also adds an, an additional layer of complexity. And I think that this is what Google is trying to sort out. Still, right? They have the technology. The technology hasn't learned as much; it's not as refined because, of course, it hasn't been out there so much as as um, um, the Bing uh, one, which relies on on OpenAI. Um, but I believe that the quality should improve, will improve. And what it is actually risky from an SEO standpoint and publisher and web owner standpoint is up to which point Google will push it. As part of their current interface. Um, because at the end of the day, it's something also that they should want to try to keep up, right? To refer the traffic to the the, the website ecosystem out there, because there should be an incentive for yeah. for websites to keep publishing content, content that they can learn yeah. from, that uh that's what makes the web the web <laughs> on one hand. And then on the other hand, to not alienate their own advertisers many mm. times uh by keeping the traffic. Uh, but yes, there's definitely going to be an impact. I have, um, I joined the beta test of the search generative that. experience yeah. a few days ago. And, and yes, are, you can definitely see that is in beta, right? Like there are for certain queries that are, um, for example, SEO courses, um, it will try to geolocate the, the query, which was not you located at all if you search what? it right now in the traditions, yeah. uh, the current search, uh, interface, right? You will get like the top courses, uh, from guides, um, reviews, et cetera, rather than a local pack, a map pack, which is what they do in the search interactive experience and something similar in e-commerce, right? They will try to show, um, product carousel at the top, which is very similar at, than the product carousel that they're already featuring in. The organic search results below so it feels a little bit repetitive right so again um i don't i think that the websites that actually have the risk to um end up not getting as much traffic as before real risk i will say are those that are the middlemen because google one definitely want to become the middleman those that rely completely on ads or or um affiliates that don't provide a unique take uh, and actually take something of value and provide the product or the ser- service themselves, which is funny, right? Because, um, we all of the opportunity that exists right now to automate the content. Um, it's
0: the down. way to, right.
1: to be able to keep relevant indeed yeah. will end up being having your own voice, uh, being an actual expert in a subject matter, uh, subject so matter expert on your specific area, right? She, 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 and, and Google also will, wants to integrate this more and more with uh, on the coming feature that they have announced also, which is the perspective uh, filter, uh, giving more of a visibility to real people, authors, right? So it's, it's a little bit of a plan. It's going to change. I'm very excited at the same time, uh, normal, uh, also a little bit scared, but it, exciting <laughs> times to be around for sure.
0: I guess that fear is like, being unknown of what's happening next. And you made a good point about Google, like that they have to find the balance of, you know, the Google ad business is such a big part of the revenue and they don't want to disrupt their cash cow. And maybe Microsoft and Bing has an opportunity because Bing ads is not a big part of the revenue so that they can be more user-centric versus Google you has know, to fa- balance user ver- and business and revenue.
1: 100%. But you know what? Funnily enough, Actually Bean has done a much better work on integrating citations mm. and external links I saw that. going yeah. to going to websites where they take the content from with overlay links citations at the end referring to the actual websites at the bottom of of, of the the answers etc in a much more prominent visible way than Google. So it's funny that you mention it because I 100% agree. And then funnily enough, ironically enough, Google is not doing what it is expected to do because they have like much more skin on the game. <laughs> than, they do. than uh than being, right? And 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 not doing it like that for their advertisers, 100 percent
0: That's super interesting. There's so much that you said there that uh that has so much value and, and gem. One of the things that I've heard is that if SEOs and marketers wanna stay relevant in this AI future world, <laughs> they have to f- focus more on strategic and execution because like a lot of the things that the typical intern would do, uh, like, you know, give give me the top pages of this. uh, AI will be able to do that. Is that that what I'm hearing? Like, if you want to stay relevant, don't be a one-trick pony, but also don't really focus too much on, like, the tactical without having strategic, because AI can't do that yet. Like, strategic.
1: 100%. 100%. I mean, also the fact that if if you know how to leverage these tools to make things faster, I, I, you don't want your competitors uh, to outwork you just because they are using uh, this uh, automation uh, integrated with a lot of uh, SEO tools also now integrate uh, chatbot-like type of, of features, like mm-hmm. uh, Phrase, for example, which is the content optimization tool that I use. It's also integrating a lot of um, AI for outlines, for... For phrasing content, writing content, uh, FAQs, et cetera, for example. And, and not only for content, also, for example, for, for ongoing optimization and opportunities, uh, seotesting.com, which is a fantastic tool to identify, to monitor and identify opportunities, has integrated also um, up with OpenAI API to for those pages where they identified that uh, there's content decay, that content is uh, decreasing in rankings after a while because of lack of freshness, et cetera. They integrate uh, the, the, the rig-write feature, optimization feature, to identify easy opportunities to optimize the content right there. So I think that there are like, very smart ways to leverage this these tools to accelerate uh, the, the pace of your task in SEO mm. on one hand. And then, on the other hand, 100%, I mean, if you have been focused all of this time on selling, I don't know, I am going to write your metadata uh, of 100 pages or 1,000 pages for... I don't know 9.99 package. This type of things that we tend to see from time to time, right? Um, there isn't much value right now, but still somehow it's, it's possible to sell it. I can't see how that won't be the case. Yeah. In the future, so that is why you, as a as a copywriter, as an SEO, etc., you want to become much more knowledgeable, much more sophisticated, mm. uh, to act to 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 be able to add like a, this extra layer of, strategical input. In the work that you do, taking into consideration the context of the business, the goal of the business, the 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 context of your industry, know how of the industry, all this information that well the, the bots won't have to take and won't take into account when doing your work, right?
0: That makes a makes a ton of sense. I I love that. I think people start. I had an interesting question asked to me the other day about like sure, like you know, people coming out of university they they might be at a disadvantage because typically their job starts off as that intern who's doing that task you mentioned. Do you see a future where like prompt, AI prompts is actually taught in university where like they're actually teaching them how to build prompts? I'm just curious if that is a world that, you know, that's actually a course on like prompt engineering, which I've never heard of until this person asked me uh, yesterday. Yeah,
1: there is one indeed. There are quite a few. I, I mean, OpenAI published one, uh, the, even uh, a track of um, how to leverage AI um, also in Maven that was announced. So a, a two different platforms are also releasing their own different courses um, for everybody to leverage uh, the chatbots, right, and, and to make it easy. And I can definitely see how in the future, I mean, there is, remember when there was a time, potentially you don't remember because you're you're too young, but there was a time when I was a kid and I didn't, I didn't get it, but I, I remember when I was a kid, there were people who were teenagers already, mm. that they went to typing lessons,
0: mm, right? I did. I went to typing lessons. They,
1: they actually went to typing lessons. Yeah. I, once that I got to that stage, to yeah. that age, that wasn't taught because mm. PCs and natural, computers and laptops you know? were, yeah. were there, were natural. So they expected you to already know Not it, to, to already learn it, yeah. at home, whatever. So you, you went to computer class or IT class, whatever, and you already were typing somehow in one way or another. Some better than others, but it was something already natural, right? So yeah. I do believe that this is going to happen now. That For some people, yes, from engineering, how to leverage AI for kids now that are, I don't know, 10, whatever, when they are teenagers, that will be like natural for them to know, to understand how to interact with chatbots that they will need a class for that. So indeed, for for, for some times, that will be needed. In the long term, that will be completely natural. As kids right now know how to use fun uh, yeah. and to type, yeah. yeah, the exact same thing.
0: Before I continue, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up growth mode and you have to hit your KPIs, the pressure is on to deliver demos and sign-ups, and it's a lot to handle. There's demand the gen, email sequences, rev ops, and more. And that's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWall, Teamwork, Sprout Social, and HubDoc to build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing growth problems today and help you build the foundations for the future, look no further, visit 42agency.com to talk to a strategist right now to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine. Thank you also to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs Free Webmaster Tools. Now, if you want to rank your website higher in search engines, you have to make sure that your website doesn't have any technical SEO issues. Because if you do, that's like trying to run a race with your shoes tied together. That's how you lose, and we don't want that. Luckily, Ahrefs Free Webmaster Tools can crawl up to 5,000 pages to find 140 common technical SEO issues that could be holding your site back from generating valuable traffic can also help you find your strongest backlinks as well as analyze keywords you're ranking for and see keyword search volume and ranking difficulty for each of those keywords. You can sign up for free at ahrefscom forward slash webmaster tools, or find the link in the description and show notes. Well, let's get back to the episode. A mix. Yeah, I totally, I, ne- I never, even, that's a great analogy. You're right. I went to typing school and I can't imagine my kid or, them teaching yeah. typing school at school right now. <laughs> oh, it's just natural. No, I don't but, think so,
1: is it? Well, I I wasn't taught at least even.
0: At, yeah, that's at that super point. super super interesting that you're you're putting that. So there, there's courses out there on this uh, this prompt engineering and, and a lot of the stuff you talked about the first experience of s of SGE that you had and as well as any prompts is on your on your website. Uh, I'm gonna link that in the description. You also have written several Twitter threads around it that have gotten viral. So. I'll link all of that in the description. But I want to talk about like prompts itself because it seems like, you know, there are bad prompts lead to bad results. (laughs) And you gave one earlier, give me an SEO strategy for 2023 for this business. And you're like, that's a terrible prompt because it will not give you something useful. I'm curious, what what are other like red flags for you when you're like, ah, that's a bad prompt uh, there. Uh, What are those like, uh bad or red flags that you see in other prompts or you 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 will say um, are not a good will not give you good results
1: yeah those that are very generic ambiguous that don't specify all of the characteristics mm-hmm. requirements restrictions that are important to take into account so for example if you ask uh to generate title tags right i mean tell them following seo best practices Right so you need to specify well and also uh give me title tags for um let's say jeans a jeans page no give me the title tags for a jeans page that is a, a product listing page that has a commercial intent and features jeans as products so they, yeah. it knows that is uh, or understand and, the, and and the answer is for uh, content that is a PLP that is transactional, that has a commercial intent, uh, rather than informational. Because otherwise, very likely, it will tell you, oh, the best jeans for whatever, like if it was a guy, right? So, or your risks on getting this, right? So, the more specific um, and descriptive you can be with all of the input uh, that you need the bot to take into account for, the more accurate output, the best will be, right? And, and I understand that, especially at the beginning, that can take a little bit of refinement,
0: mm. right?
1: Or, or, and and I, I do a lot of like, imagine that you're an SEO providing the context, right? Imagine that you're an SEO specialist uh, developing a keyword research for a website that is this and that, 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 that. So provide very specific context um, in order to get more accurate answers. So that is why I came up with the five W's and the H, as you mentioned, right? Yeah. Because uh, um, this typical questions methodology for journalists Um, to to specify like to do when doing an interview, right? To specify all the context the why, who, where, when, how. And by providing all of those different specifications, characteristics, uh, restrictions to take into account the context, uh, the output will tend to be much better, right?
0: That makes sense. And I, I love that you're the more specific it is, the much better. I never used that imagine before. That's genius. I've seen one where like Pretend you're Ted Lasso. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. you watched Ted Lasso, the show mm-hmm. where like he's this like really, uh, optimistic coach on, uh, on Apple mm-hmm. TV and like write me a uh, LinkedIn post as Ted Lasso. <laughs> I've never seen, I never thought about it as like, imagine you're an SEO specialist and you're like very specific about like providing it context, uh, so that it doesn't just output you generic stuff. Uh, can you? you that um the prompt that you mentioned around the gene, you kind of already started breaking down the 5 w's and h there can you break down like you know a, li- a little bit more you, you know what is the context you were talking about create five uh five title tags uh and then where is it going to be used for you're talking about it uh for gene's category like how can you, can you break down the an example of how the 5 w's and uh, h <laughs> fits into to can an work. example yeah can yeah work.
1: so actually I have um quite a few examples um and uh and in, in, in the website like examples like very specific right uh what is the expected task so mm. create five title tags where is it going to be used to be featured in a wide jeans category page uh how is the format language structure tone wow. length characteristics constraints so uh, Descripti- uh, des- uh, the, the content needs to be descriptive of products in English, relevant, engaging, uh, with a commercial intent, following SEO best practices of no more than 50 characters each, for example, because otherwise it might be, eh, who is the target audience? Potential gene buyers, right? At when is it going to be used on an ongoing basis, this uh, evergreen content? When you want to use the, and, and uh, why do you want to use the, the expected goals, right? To engage the audience and rank better in search results. So all of this together is yeah. create five title tags to be featured in a white jeans category page. The characteristics to be taken into account are the following, ta 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 the target mm-hmm. audience are potential jeans buyers to be, and it's going to be used at an ongoing basis to engage and rank better in jeans category pages. So... All of this, yes, is, is a bit, a bit long, right? But will allow you to create an output that is much more accurate, that yeah. needs, needs, uh, less, uh, refinements. And then you can create, and I uh, highly, highly advise that you have your Prom library. There are actually extensions that facilitate this. Uh, AIPRM is one of the Chrome extensions that exists, but you can create your own library even in your own Google Sheets. This is what I do too. Uh, so anybody that I work with can have access to these prompts that I know that are very well refined for this use case, and um, and you don't need to. I mean, you probably need you just to add the add the the the, the, the specific topic and the audience will change and the type of page. And for this scenario of title tags, or this area of meta description, or this area of headings or FAQs, the output will be uh, really yeah. really good, right?
0: This looks like a, the early forming of like a content brief almost. Like you're or or like imagine uh, you're outsourcing this to like an intern or somebody. Yeah. The more specific you are, the more likely they'll be successful at doing that task rather than do X for me. So I,
1: I mean, I think I think I truly believe that if I am good at this, it's because I'm so used on work uh, working mm, remotely. Right. I have been working yeah. remotely already for a while since like even when I was right an employee, right? 2014, I became also on my own, et cetera, et cetera. But so I am very used to communicate well in written, Uh, uh, be very specific, very accurate on given, Um, yeah, like uh, requiring uh, or asking or ordering, like very specific in a very specific way, in the way I communicate. And if you're sloppy, if you're too generic or ambiguous and you don't know how to request stuff, in a very accurate way, yeah. then you will have a harder time. If you're used to work remotely right. and know how important it is to communicate well in written, then it's, it will be much more easily
0: for you. Yeah, I feel like a hot take here is like, don't blame Jack GPT. blame you. Like, blame yourself if you're getting bad results. It's because you're not thinking through the stuff that you should be thinking about before you provide it to, 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 to AI. So that you talked about generic, you talk about... It. The reason why it's generic is like, you're not digging through exactly what you're looking for. Who is it for? The how, the why, and everything else. Well, One hundred
1: percent. I mean, bad output is because your input was bad, and you didn't <laughs> validate it well. You didn't refine, and you didn't validate it well too. Mm. I mean, if, if the the only person who you can blame uh, for having bad quality content generated by AI out there is you, right? Because yeah. you didn't you didn't do a good job first with the with the um, input yeah. uh, with the prompts and yeah. or with the validation later mm. on and and you need to have a validation workflow Interesting. uh yeah. having an actual expert double check validate yeah. that right. what ha- has been the output is actually accurate that is point et etc cetera, etc cetera, right yeah
0: mm. yeah the validation is about like reviewing the results and like kind of tweaking it like mm. asking it follow yeah. up it's like changing changing stinks to it is exactly is that exactly what that is
1: but. Yeah, 100%. And then also, if you're using it, for example, for in generating title tags, for example, or generating content FAQs, for example, you have an actual copywriter reviewing it, so they don't need to write from scratch all of the FAQ, but they are going to edit them and mm. add value on them. What are the FAQs on? An example, renting a car in uh, London, Example. Oh, uh, So maybe you can leverage keyword tools as well as the chatbot to generate these uh, questions and answers, uh, but if you have an actual copywriter who's a car expert, car rental expert that knows the business, know the know-how, will know when a question potentially that is asked doesn't make sense, is too yeah. generic or too repetitive, or the answer that has been given by the bot is too broad to be actually useful and actionable. So this person will add, will add the extra layer. Their actual experience and right. expertise mm. to make it useful and make it actionable also within the website, right? Oh, to do this, you can change this configuration of the website to obtain this type of cars, or uh, don't worry about this particular rules in London because they don't care about this, things like that, right? So, literally, like, uh, um, something like I believe that there's tons of value on thinking of, uh, a bit like this, like the first layer of content, of information. Yes, uh, it would be at this point uh, not smart to not leverage these tools. However, in an era where content can be highly, highly automated by by AI, you need an expertise layer. That is going to be your own voice, your unique sure. selling proposition. Otherwise, your content will look exactly the same than any other content out there. Unique uniqueness. What makes you unique? What is your tone of voice? Yeah. Right, this is marketing 101.
0: I feel like that's a whole like thread and post that you can potentially write if you haven't written one yet. Like that's something that's often skipped where people think just put it in and then publish it. And you're like, no, <laughs> wait a second. Like you really have you're ad- adding that expertise, that uniqueness, uh, you know, uh, the stuff that that search engines look for. The you know that mm-hmm. uh, pre- credibility and things like that that mm-hmm. you, you can't really check with this. You started already like kind of digging and giving examples. You have this, by the way, that, that, that article you mentioned around the five W's and H, uh, it's, I'm going to link it in the description. Great, great post. Another one you had was like prompts that SEO, um, that can accelerate or help people with SEO activities. You've been giving a ton already around like title tags and like description. I'm curious, like, is there one that you, is that one, those, that title tag, something that you use often? Or like what are other ones from that list 20 that are yeah. like often you, your maybe your favorite or maybe ones that you use like quite often for clients or for yourself? Yeah, I,
1: I love to leverage it for, for ideas, right? Especially as a non-native English speakers, better ways to say something, more professional well, I, ways to say something. Interesting. Um, also to, to do stuff in bulk. Uh, leveraging the extensions, the Google Sheets extensions, uh, rewrite me, regenerate these titles that are too long by making uh, them less than 55 characters while keeping the core key keywords uh, that you can see in this other cell uh, into account. So it will rewrite them to you, right? Uh, so this type of workflows, I use them a lot. Or oh, generate the, the FAQ for this group of pages in book, in Google Sheets, uh, by looking into the most asked questions, the most popular questions about their topic, taking into account that they are going to be featured in listing pages in this type of business. So, you go, you take a look, and then someone who's an actual expert in in, uh, in the business comes and review. So, these type of scenarios, I think that they can be very, very powerful. I, I use them. I actually was using a little bit of that on my own websites that I have a as a, a little bit of a, of a test too. And I have more and more clients are relying on, on the tech to help their marketers, to help right. their copywriters, not to replace them, right? That is something very important.
0: That makes sense. I like that. I never even uh, thought about that. I think even like copywriters can use this, like you give me variations of this. So give. it's more like an ideation tool where you can mm-hmm. like, you can give me other options where you can like pick one that might make more sense for you rather than something else is, is exactly yeah, what I'm hearing here. 100%. Uh, one other question I had around before we ship around career power-ups is, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of, um, you know, specifically I, I work in B2B SaaS and a lot of like SaaS companies have been hit uh, traffic-wise, organic traffic. I noticed that you're like providing a bunch of templates on your on your site and I, I've heard, I don't know if this is correct, where that that value add of adding templates or like Google Sheet or or even videos uh, is a way to uh, stay relevant in this AI feature search world, so to speak. I'm curious, what are some practical tips you have for for marketers and SEOs who have seen, seen their traffic go down because of, you know, maybe AI or or in the past few months and um, they're trying to figure out exactly what the future of things they can do to continue to stay relevant.
1: What I, what I will say is that you do a good benchmark. You take a look at... What is getting visibility right now in the SERPs and what is getting your traffic? So, for example, if you see that Google is shifting the results, um, because they have identified that the intent of the user, the search behavior of the users has changed. Um, and of course, you, you are sort of giving outdated content that doesn't really fulfill that need of the users that Google is, is, uh, finding right now, you need to update that content, or to create new content that actually fills that need. So from time to time, indeed, after, especially until now, like after core updates that happen uh, every three, four months or so, um, we'll see that many times, you're, you're, for some queries, broader queries, well, Google, were ranking, for example, listing pages. All of a the sudden, mm-hmm. they are not ranking as many link, listing pages, but they are now ranking guides. And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, it's not that they have shifted the, the type of content that they are ranking now, but now they are showing a prominent video carousel or a map pack or a map pack or, or a, um, an image pack or a product carousel, right? In the feature. So all of the clicks go there rather than on your website, even if you haven't lost positions, literally. Mm. So <laughs> what it is important is to understand first why is that changing? Right. Ch- uh, Google is changing their, their search and search results, their, their interface of the results because of a need of the user that is shifting. So can you produce content in videos and um, in images uh, or, or generate feeds in order to make the most out of all of, the, uh, all of these features that Google is showing in your results and are eating your, your, your mm. clicks, your traffic? That is the first thing if it is doable for you. Then when it actually makes sense for you to do it so in a way that has a, has a ROI positive impact mm. on your business, right? You, you, maybe you cannot do this for every single query, for every single content, but you, you can start assessing the impact for a few very important money-making queries for you where you can see that this type of snippets or features are shown and you have the capability to create them. That can be a way, that can be one of the ways. And, and for, for me, especially with the new Surgeon narrative experience that yeah. uh, will be released in the next few months after trial, test, whatever, whatever beta it needs to be on tweaks they need to have. And I'm certain and hopeful that they will uh, continue referring uh, traffic to the websites with proper citations and links as, as yeah. uh, Bing is doing. There's certainly going to be a shift. So we need to understand how it's shifting to be able to keep relevant and continue connecting with the users in one way or another. An example. Uh, yesterday I was seeing and I was playing around with the uh new uh, Google search interactive experience um snapshots and seeing that for branded queries if you work with a very well-known merchant an example right um retailer an example um Nike sneakers yeah if you say search for these branded queries like this for a product line of a very big brand, you will tend to use that the category pages, the listing pages of that big brand website will tend to be there all the time. This is pretty much traffic that they own, um, big brand, let's say, type of of, uh, experience at the end of the day. Then with the new search generative experience, you realize that Google is pretty much generating their own listing Above wow. the organic results, yeah. and they are listing directly the products there. Oh, so no. the traffic that used to go <laughs> yeah. to the category page of uh, of, um, of Nike sneakers or um, <clears throat> uh, North, Face, North Face jacket, yeah. right, will now be attracted to go to specific product, product pages, pages that are now featured at the, po- at the at the top. Yeah. You know the thing. The funny thing is that these product pages, when you click on them. A product knowledge panel is displayed, and in the product knowledge panel, you only you don't only have the link to the product page of the official brand, but also all of the distributors' online stores. Oh my goodness! That's that distribute their products. So yes, you can see how the net effect for the typical listing page will be negative if mm. this is released as it is in beta right now. Um, what can you do? So it is about working and understanding the shift of the behavior of the user on one hand with right. these new results and how these results are displayed to identify opportunities for these brands to say, okay, then a new type of page is required or make your PLPs or your listing actually different to have a more prominent and visible um, way to connect with the users in, a, in another way, right, of, of the journey. Or maybe they are not necessary at all, all of a sudden, and then you need to focus completely on your product pages and right. making them uh, much more comprehensive, much more much more unique, all the structured data, et cetera, et cetera, to ensure that you get the top visibility there. So, um, I mean, I, again, or maybe you even gener- need to generate much more informational content, So Google source that content at the top of uh, their snapshot, which is what they're doing with many guides. And then they are... Let's say pressure to link to you in this other way. So again, it's about, I would say, being very strategical, keeping mm. your eyes open and see every time that you are getting less traffic. Why is this is, is, right. is this? Is because I have lost positions or not? I am keeping position, it's the click- to rate that is decreasing. And why is the click to rate uh, decreasing? It's because uh, there is a big uh, feature above my result mm. that wasn't there six months ago. What is changing? Can I leverage that or not? Or is because? The the people are not searching as much this type of products and they are searching them in another way. Should I create new content to tackle and target and address these other queries? So again, you need to identify this. So as you can see, this type of stuff, I don't see a bot replicating this type (laughs) of of behavior quite easily. You need to understand the market. You need to understand the context. You need to be proactive and identify opportunities like that. And pretty much uh, this is why, SEO tends to be complex because you need to be paying attention like this every time. Uh, there's an ongoing change. And, uh, and then also it's about aligning the resources to uh, validate your hypotheses many times, develop tests, and then replicate in a way that is actually cost-effective for the websites.
0: I just love how you like really dug into it like a detective, like <laughs> broke down what you would do, like this is like this investigative uh, yeah like something died now we gotta go like dig into the clues and figure out exactly how to fix it uh, really th- thank you for for sharing that and deep, digging deep, deep into that in terms of yourself, like I notice you you share a lot of like Google sheet templates and it's not gated. I'm curious if that's more of you trying to be being really helpful to folks or is that like an SEO it's an SEO play at all where you know like just open it wide and it's not something that once again, uh, you know, it's a value add that, you know, Google can't just crawl. Like they'll you have this template that they that they need to show or something.
1: You know, I think that uh and this is a great question. Thank you. And I th- I think it is tied with what we were talking a little bit before we started our recording, right? There's this balance and layer mm. about you as a professional, as a market, as a consultant too. Um are willing and able and, and I'm happy to share for free out there um, to give back to the community, to establish yourself as, a, yourself as an authority also in your sector, etc., which are things that, I of course, I want to do. And, and then also how much you don't want to give away because it should be part of your know-how that you sell yeah. ultimately, right, to your clients. Um, and a lot of people say and are like, oh, okay, but if you are going to give away This may at least leverage it to get into this users or into your funeral already, right? So uh, I prefer a wider reach. I think that life's too short to gating stuff around. I mean, that that many ways to get stuff anyway. Mm. I highly, highly, highly dislike this trend that I see over Twitter. Like, oh, I have this template about why X or Y, uh, retweet me and follow me and. And I will share send it to you over DMs. Like, yeah. oh my god, why? Look, if I am sharing stuff for free, yeah, uh, without being gated, etc., I know that people will find me valuable enough, at a cons- and if I do it at, cons- at a consistent basis, and 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 the noise, um, value versus noise ratio is good enough. People will eventually, like after the third time, consider themselves. That is valuable to follow me. Follow yeah. me because I am sharing good stuff all the time, rather than me requiring them to do it just to share the first. Right. So I am much more aligned with this, with being much more natural, providing value, being more organic. At the end of the day, I'm an SEO, um, and that is what I love this way to do marketing, uh, because it's more aligned with good UX rather than mm. pushing people around to do X or Y without them being necessarily. Um, all in there yet uh, making their mind that this is the actual right thing for them to do right so I, I prefer to give nudges and, and and that they realize that there's value following me and and, mm. and reading my newsletter the same um, rather than gating everything and yeah. requiring access like that yeah
0: I love that you're like really optimizing for impact you know you can impact more people because people will be turned off when you gate it Oh, I don't want to give my email. Like you're actually trying to share it and distribute it to as many people and help help as many people as possible, SEOs and marketers alike. And that. and
1: it will make the people who follow me also more engaging. Mm. Uh, and and also, if I am requiring that, for example, to grow my newsletter list, for example, very likely a lot of these people will never open my newsletter anyway because they have been pushed. <laughs> to try to it in, in, in that way, right? That's true. I prefer that they decide to do it so because they have seen that mm. I share value and uh, they are incentivized to open the newsletter because they know it's, it's useful, right?
0: I love that. That's a perfect place to to switch gears. And I feel like this is already starting to push towards that. Around uh, things that helped you accelerate your career. Now you've been in SEO now for since 2007. And I'm curious, what's something that's helped you like, level up and accelerate. It could be just what you mentioned, about, like, helping as many people as possible, but it could be, you know, going on more podcasts or talks or starting your own show. Like, I'm curious, what's one thing that's helped you level up your your career?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that 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 what you mentioned actually has been, like, a, the key differentiator in mm-hmm. my uh, journey, right? Sharing. Uh, and I do it because I love it, because it's the way that I also learn. I mean, to be when when you share something, when you educate on something, um, is because you have tried it, you have tested it, and you also learn along the way uh, things that work, things that don't, and get feedback from other people uh, and interact much much more with the community. Uh, of course, it's I, I will say that it's something that should be natural for you to do something that it it's not something uh, difficult. Uh, or that will add some extra layer of complexity in your life that doesn't make it enjoyable, right? Like, for example, when I mean sharing too, is sharing in so many different formats. For me, mm-hmm. speaking is also sharing. Just yeah. in speaking format, when you do presentations, yeah. when you do webinars, when you sure. go on stage, or yeah. in podcasts, um, sharing is also writing blog posts, writing guides, uh, sharing templates, that is sharing too. So a lot of people is like, oh, how you ended up deciding that you wanted to speak. It's like, because speaking was another way of sharing, potentially a little bit more stressful and complex one, but also one that I also uh, enjoy more because allow me to travel to places and I love to travel and interact with the community. And since I work remotely, that is a way that I have to uh, see more people and interact and meet more like-minded people, et cetera, et cetera. So it becomes very natural for me to do so. But of course, you need to enjoy it. So whenever someone tells me, oh, I, I want to become a consultant or develop my career in a way. And I want to develop, establish my personal brand, but I don't love to speak, right? And it's like, no worries. There are so many different ways to share with guides, yeah. with podcasts, with this, with that. So you don't need to be pushed on doing it on in a way that doesn't doesn't spark joy, right? Spark that joy. It's, so- it's not natural for you and yeah. it's not enjoyable at the end of the day.
0: That's so good. I love I love how you brought us sparking joy there. You know, if, if you know, doing a podcast or sharing templates or even speaking, whatever makes you spark joy. I'm curious what's uh the what's motivating you to share. And you talked a little bit about uh, you know, meeting with other folks, but is it to have as much impact on the world? Uh to maybe more afterwards. Obviously there's also the business side to it, where you know, growing your personal brand generates, you know, potential clients. What's the motivation for you uh, specifically that's helping motivating you to continue to share great content? That once again, I'm gonna link in the description. I'm also a big fan of your newsletter, which uh, I'm, I'm telling everybody to subscribe to it. But like, what is that motivation behind all of this for you?
1: Yeah, so I well, I'm very curious, and I this mm. is one of the things that actually attracted me to SEO. That SEO is a little bit of content, technical, marketing. It's a mix of everything. Right. Uh, pretty sure I have ADHD undiagnosed <laughs> uh, because I'm like this all over the place. Um, but right. yes, this is what actually attracted me to SEO um, and I love about it. And then when I became independent also, uh, and even before, I, I always was attracted to, oh, I'm like blogging on the side doesn't necessarily need to make money, but it's something that I enjoy sharing on social media, going to events, even if I didn't, and wasn't thinking at the time, becoming independent, or having a consultancy. Um, and then afterwards, um, it's something that I, 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 I am more mindful about, about how, I mean, I'm very thankful for the career that I have had and how I have been able to evolve myself. Thanks for the information that I have been able to get in one way or another. So I want to simplify that and make it, much more easy, so newcomers can have a lot for example with learning SEO.io, to have all of this aggregation of knowledge that is accurate that is up to date um, that is provided by people who um, will provide the know-how and will help them to get there much faster so that is why I created also as a way to give back, let's say because yes yeah, sometimes it's like oh oh my god, I'm so lucky and and, and I'm very very f- thankful for. For all the, the evolution, uh, that I have had professionally, right? So it's also a way to do something that I enjoy and, and to give back and also to play around, to test around. Yeah. I am also using the websites that I create to test things, uh, with, with SEO FOMO. Actually, I, I never expected email marketing and newsletter to be, Oh my God, I am hooked now, right? <laughs> to be so good, to be successful. I'm like organic so SEO and I'm like, Oh my God. If you want an engaged button up the funeral, customers or yeah. like, or, or fans or audience, go there, create your list and, and play right. around what works or not to grow it. Um, the same when I started calling Mondays, my, um, uh, video series slash podcast, right? I yeah. started at the beginning of 2019 or so to test YouTube as a channel, organic channel to, to optimize for and and took it from there right so I, i'm always testing new things and uh doubling down on those that work so for example i have launched marketing fomo which mm. is the digital marketing oh. newsletter weekly uh oh. because i saw that seo fomo was uh very successful and there was a need for uh, marketing digital marketing that is not seo focused but content marketing digital pr paid search etc 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 to have something similar and 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 try to get there much faster, right? So these type of things I, I love to play around and thankfully while well, being independent, right, that provides me the flexibility to do this Do this stuff.
0: I love it. I feel like uh, what I'm hearing is like you're just naturally curious and you're doing all of this and you're sharing it in public just like, oh, this is what I learned and this is something that's helped me that can help you that's super, super cool. In terms of one one follow, uh, second to the final question around if you can send a message back to a younger version of Leda, what advice or tip would you send yourself who might be starting out in SEO, who might be starting out in marketing? What would be that, that tip or advice or nugget of wisdom that you can share to your younger version of you?
1: Yeah, I will say don't double think it. Be proactive. Give yourself your own opportunities, right? I, I think that especially when I was very young and starting as an SEO, I was always looking for expecting someone like a good boss or mentor or something like that to see my value and provide me the opportunity to grow my career better job more salary better this and that and then i realized that i needed to provide that opportunities to myself so an example if you're looking people and expect them to uh ask you to speak at a big conference right um well and and but they haven't seen you speak ever right and and uh how do, can, can you get into the radars? Like give yourself that opportunity first by um, even like creating your own webinars, creating your own mm-hmm. video series or uh, starting to speak. Or And then with, with this examples that you know how to speak well, you propose little by little to smaller channels so they can invite you. Then bigger and bigger uh, online stages. And then at some point it's like when you that are now, forms to pitch to big conferences, like examples that you can speak well, you can already send quite a few, right? So it's very hard for them to say no. So, but giving yourself or getting to that point where it's very hard to dismiss you or to overlook you yeah. or to not give you opportunities because you're so good. You need, mm-hmm. I believe that there's a lot we can do for ourselves rather than just asking for help. It's like, oh, I don't have the support or I don't have the validation. or like, I I mean, you need, to validate yourself many, many times and get and push yourself towards the spot where it's impossible to not take you into consideration. Mm. So, and uh, so uh, whatever you want to go, right? Independently of where you want to go. So I think that we can do a lot around that. And I will say myself, because my early 20-something took risks, yes, but I believe that, yeah, I will have pushed myself much harder on being much more proactive, starting on my own, etc., rather than Looking yeah. for others to others to give me opportunity like that, or applying to jobs, things like that, right?
0: I love that. That's uh. There was this other conversation I had with um. Brendan Hufford. He talked about this book called "Be So Good That They Can't Ignore You" by Kyle Newport, which is exactly what you're saying. <laughs> like you're just like honing your craft and like really sharing, and it, it all kind of works together. What you just said, like you sharing, you built honing your craft. You like building up and asking for it kinda um you know builds up to, to where you are today. Just, yeah, exactly.
1: Love to hear that.
0: You can find out more about latest work online. She's doing a lot actually. She has a podcast called Crawling Mondays. You can find it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. She has a newsletter SEO FOMO at seofomo.co. She has SEO Consulting at Oreante.com. Courses at learningseo.io You can find all of those links, including her LinkedIn and Twitter profile on the show notes and description. Thank you to Alida for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use, to hit their KPIs consistently, and wow their colleagues. I wanna say thank you to you for listening and, Please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel like extra generous, kind of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a comment on YouTube. It goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thanks to Mary Salden for creating the artwork and design and thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a Powered Update.
1: Marketing Power Ups.